BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. We did big things to help people, real people who live and work here every day. We raised the minimum wage. We advanced equal pay for women and minorities, provided millions of Illinoisans relief from high interest on consumer debt, and expanded health care to tens of thousands more people across our state. We are reaffirming that our most important commitments are to our children and their education. Mark my words, Illinois will be the best state in the nation to raise a young family. Hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show for Thursday, January 30th is just moments away. But before we get into that, we got to thank the following unions once again for jumping on board and sponsoring this program. We love these people. Unions like the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, sponsor this program. The International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, are sponsors, as well as our dear friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Hour number two. Let's go. It is Thursday, January 30th, and live from the Chicago Sun-Times, Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. In this hour of the program, it's the return of Joshua Smizer de Leon, and we're talking all things recreational cannabis with Lisa Solomon and mystery guest. And now your host, recreational cannabis smoker, well, formerly, not since 1979. Uh, actually, technically, I believe the year I last indulged was 81. Chicago let's, reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Let's get it straight. Uh, our mystery guest that Lisa Solomon, our reefer expert, is bringing, brought in. Turns out I have a college connection with one of them. I went to college with one of them's brother, which I can't believe. Uh, but I'm going to refrain from going down the path. It's a memory old days and blah, blah, blah. I'm going to focus on uh, Joshua Smizer de Leon, who's sitting in the studio, uh, the host of the pa, uh, Leon, uh, excuse me, Passe on uh, podcast. Before we do that, you got an update for me, young man? Uh, actually, here, uh, less of an update, more of a question here. Uh, coming up, we're going to be talking recreational cannabis. It's a reoccurring segment here on the Ben Jarofsky Show, a segment that we've been having trouble titling. So we are going to you at the live stream chat room to help us out here in titling this uh, segment. We've been going back and forth, all right? And, you know, we don't want to call it reefer. Ben calls it reefer a lot. We don't want to do that. We want to get the word cannabis in here, all right? We want to take this segment seriously. Oh, man. And uh, so I have a few that I've been thinking of here, um, but we'll... Once, once we get to the segment, we'll talk about it. But if you're listening on the live stream chat, please weigh in with some ideas on some possible titles for a reoccurring cannabis right, segment cannabis. on the Ben Jarofsky show. Uh, ben Jarofsky's Cannabis Corner is one of them. Mm, That's okay. not bad. That's pretty cannabis good. Corner. Oh, can I do? Can I do? Is that like Xanadu? Yeah, Xanadu. Yeah. Can I do? Uh, oh, we got Kathy. Kathy says, did Ben inhale? <laughs> Yeah. 
Good time. That's a million dollar question right there. One you get the blue Mustang for that one, man. That is a great one. <laughs> one a lot of inhaling was going on in the 70s, yes. So help us out. Uh, we're going to be doing our uh, reoccurring uh, cannabis segment. That's hilarious. Looking for a title. Man. Looking for a good title. Dip and inhale a lot. Yes, big time. A lot of inhaling going on. Thanks for joining us, Kathy. And feel free to join us on the YouTube live stream chat if you're listening live. Uh, it's the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel. Just uh, click on the little chat room and start typing. All right, very good. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna start calling it cannabis. You know, as, as I said before, whenever I hear cannabis, uh, it's it always reminds me when uh, black people call white people Caucasians. I'm like, oh, we're like, this is the official word, okay? Caucasian. <laughs> I don't. Everybody, Caucasians, yeah. cannabis, but whatever. Okay, times change. I'm gonna mm-hmm, get with mm-hmm. it, Lisa Solomon. She's like, get <laughs> with it, then. All right, so I'm gonna do what Lisa like says. What does she say? Green space. <laughs> All right, let's focus. Uh, Joshua, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me, Ben. It's good to be back. Yes, it is. And uh, you were here, I recall, it was right around uh, January 1st. It was New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. New Year's Whoa, Eve. Man. Yeah. And I think Lisa was here that day yes, as well. Yes, I was yeah. just, oh, wow, how that God. works. Yeah. I know. Of all the places to be in the world, we <laughs> chose to be right here in the Chicago Reader, Chicago Sometimes Studios. Yes, uh, indeed. All right, before we uh, go anywhere, uh, tell folks about your podcast, Paseo. Sure. Go ahead. Yeah, so it's called the Paseo Podcast. Paseo is spelled P-A-S-E-O. Uh, I have a website, it's paseomedia.org. It's all focused on highlighting Puerto Rican stories. So it's a, a weekly podcast. We get different Puerto Rican figures, not only here in Chicago, but internationally that are doing amazing things, doing great work. So it's all dedicated to highlighting stories by, for, and from the Puerto Rican community. And uh, by the way, I'm just curious. We're going to mm-hmm. talk about uh, the relief efforts uh, in uh, Puerto Rico and sure. Donald Trump's uh, lack thereof. Uh, what's your sense of how the Puerto Rican vote is going in this upcoming election? Or do you mm-hmm. have a sense that there's any one candidate uh, sure. that Puerto Rican voters are favoring? That's an interesting question. Um, I think when it comes to any cultural um, or, or ethnicity group, Um, it's hard to look at them as a monolith. But from my conversations with some of my Puerto Rican friends, a lot of the feedback I get is, well, who has the best Puerto Rican policy, the best Puerto Rico policy? So I see a lot of people leaning towards Bernie Sanders. I hear a lot of people leaning towards Elizabeth Warren. Uh, There are actually two of the senators that introduced a Senate bill. It's uh, Senate Bill 1312, which was dedicated to uh, auditing the debt that was started uh, to be incurred in the 1970s, which we have no idea uh, what type of deals were cut to get that. And the people that benefited from that were the elite on the island. So the working class people were impacted the most. So Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren actually putting forth legislation to kind of fix that that uh, that debt, the issue with that debt. We're talking about $74 billion mm. in debt that the island is in. Um, again, also taking into consideration what uh, particular individuals or organizations are pumping money into certain campaigns. I know Pete Buttigieg actually has one of his donors who's a part of a big vulture capitalist um, uh, hedge fund, and they have a ton of stake in Puerto Rico's debt. But again, the people that suffer from that are the working class people. So that's just from my circle of people that I talk to. Um, I haven't heard anybody officially endorse them. You might get some Puerto Ricans out there that may lean a bit more conservative or may lean towards statehood that want to support certain candidates that are going to benefit them the most politically and financially. 
Um, I believe a former politician who ran for governor in Puerto Rico recently endorsed Michael Bloomberg. Um, but uh, it's a whole other, that's all, that's internal politics in Puerto Rico. That's not, not a fan of that guy. But um, yeah, I'd say I'd say it's definitely coming down to to Warren and Sanders. Wow. Yeah, uh, Sanders more so than Warren. And uh, I know I was uh, teasing you on the phone today. I was mm-hmm. making everybody who comes in the show, uh, not our next guest, don't yeah, worry, yeah. <laughs> uh, come up with their uh, top three. Yeah, uh, I'm easy on you. I'm gonna make mm-hmm. you do a top five. Uh, I don't know if you saw uh, Miles on the show before you ducking yeah, and dodging yeah, on yeah. me. Well, you been, and then you end up with yeah. three. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, do you have a top three? Personally, you personally? I do. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go. Okay, I love the background music. Okay, so if I was put on the spot today at this very moment, which I have been, (laughs) I have three. Okay, I go number one, Bernie Sanders. Um, He's authentic. He's been consistent. Again, he's really, I think he has some of the most in-depth Puerto Rico policy. Again, it's not perfect. All of the presidential candidates need to do a bit more as it comes to policy in Puerto R- on Puerto Rico. Uh, then second, I'd go Elizabeth Warren. And then my number three fluctuates a lot. I mean, I think I'd probably, if I had to choose, I'd go and- uh, Andrew Young. Wow. Yeah. Great minds think yeah. alike. Man. Yeah. <laughs> you guys should hang out sometime. Hey, what up? You know, hey, so we my- can do that. We can inhale. That's fine. <laughs> I, I yeah, no yeah. longer inhale, uh, just for the record. 1981, I remember yeah, where yeah. I was. Uh, and uh, yeah, so um, what are the issues uh, in terms of the, the Puerto Rico and Donald mm. Trump's mishandling of absolutely everything? Yeah, that's, a, that's another good question. Um, well, I'll take it back to 2017. So mm. the... The island gets hit by two major hurricanes. We have Hurricane Irma, Hurricane Maria. Total total devastation, multiple places on La Isla, that's Spanish for the island. Um, And the immediate need was disaster relief aid. It took until this year in 2020 for the Trump administration to say, look, we're gonna give you, we're gonna release the aid, we're gonna give you $16 billion in grant funding, which, by the way, was approved by Congress a little over a year ago. So they've, the Trump administration has really been dragging their feet on this. And even $16 billion sounds like a lot of money, but it comes with some strings attached. So some of the things that the Trump administration has told the government of Puerto Rico is that you need to, number one, submit detailed budgets on how you're going to use that money. Okay, it's understandable. This one pisses me off a little bit. The second thing was ignore the ignore the $15 an hour minimum wage uh, for for federally funded programs and projects on the island. So again, who gets hurt by this policy? The working class people, people that are just trying to fix the roofs in their homes, get access to clean water, drive to work. They're getting screwed over. Third thing, reform record keeping around real estate properties. And that's a tricky one because when you go to Puerto Rico, uh, the way real estate transfers from one person to another is very different than how we do it here in the United States. Mm-hmm. You might have a title on your home that you sign over to somebody, whether that's a family member, whether that's a stranger, whatever. In Puerto Rico, it's normally you just kind of give it to somebody. So if, uh, if I'm a grandparent, I might say to my niece or my son or my daughter, this is your house now. I'm out of here. Or if I die, you, know, you just kind of take over that home. So when you look at the FEMA regulations, 
they need to show document. You need to show them if you need to like get your home fixed. You need to show documentation that you legally own that home. And if there's no paperwork, they're not going to give you money to fix your roof. They're not even going to give you a tarp to seal the hole. So the intentionality is totally missing from the Trump administration. It's more of it's a very Americanized way of looking at um, the cultural and political um, makeup of an island. And that that's very reflective of the relationship between the United States and Puerto Rico. I I wouldn't even say it was an Americanized. There's okay. We're going to pick this one apart for it Uh, because I've trained to be skeptical. Mm-hmm. So we talked about this earlier. We talked about uh, J.B. Pritzker's uh, speech. Yeah. Uh, people speak in code. Mm-hmm. There's like subterranean messages that they yeah. beam out mm-hmm. uh, when they say certain things. And then uh, so when Pritzker says something and the Republicans counter, they're speaking in code about things. Mm-hmm. So let's try mm-hmm. to decipher the code here. Sure. All right. Uh, break it down. Yeah. What is really going on here? I mean, uh, the issue about record keeping, the last one first, mm-hmm. is remarkable. I can't imagine... Follow me on this. I can't imagine the same requirement being made by the Trump administration of, say, uh, people who lost their house to a natural disaster in North Carolina. What if you lost the records? Like your house, God forbid, I mean, all my records are in my house. God forbid if something happened to my house, I lost all the records. I didn't records that indicated I had the property. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, what are you supposed to do? I just cannot believe. Right. Uh, if you had a room full of angry property owners saying that the bureaucrats are being unbending mm-hmm. uh, in their allegiance to these these strict rules, I can't believe that Trump wouldn't respond to that. So what do you think he's doing when he has this uh, rigid rule regarding uh, titles, property, to sure. prove property? What do you think he's up to? Yeah, and let me just say, I first came across this this nuance uh, in this story after watching a documentary on Netflix called After Maria. It's not a perfect in-depth dive into what happened, but it follows three different families. And the end result is because of things like the administration's enforcement of that FEMA regulation for, for paperwork, you still have thousands of Puerto Ricans without homes. Some that are still stuck here in the United States that just want to go back home. So um, I think ultimately it comes down to racism. I mean, point blank. I mean, we've heard Donald Trump demonize people of color since before he was president. Once he started his presidential campaign, he even has a history of discriminating against people of color. I think this is no different. Um, Puerto Ricans historically by the United States also I mean, we have historically been treated as second-class citizens. And it's interesting, as a country that prides itself on a revolution of not being a colony, we are so open to having Puerto Rico as a colony of ours, as a commonwealth. We don't want to entertain statehood. We don't want to entertain independence. We want to just exert our control and have our way with an island that never really asked for us to be in charge of them. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just, again, just demonizing people of color. And it's just, it's, it's just racism in its purest form. I can tell legally, I I can tell I am uh, a little more cynical than you are Mm -hmm. because to that list, I was thinking that if you, if people, let's say if Lisa can't prove that she owns the property she claims is hers, that means Dennis then can take the land. 
Oh yeah. I mean, you know we can I mean? take the deep dive into gentrification yeah. too. That's a huge issue on the Island as well. I mean, there's tons of developers that have big interests in the Island. There was actually uh, a recent podcast episode on Latino, U- Latino USA through NPR. Maria Hinojosa hosts that show. Um, and they actually did an episode on Puerto Rico. It was called Puerto Crypto. And it was about all these cryptocurrency people coming, flooding the Island and coming in with this, um, for lack of a better term, this very white savior complex. We're going to save the island, invest all this money, buy all this property, start all these businesses. And the people in Puerto Rico actually revolted against that and pushed them out. We actually saw this past summer with the the previous governor, Ricardo Rosselló, where you had thousands of millions of Puerto Ricans actually protest that governor's stance on a number of different policies mm-hmm. um, and essentially kicked him out. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's those type of policies. By the way, Wanda Vasquez is a part of his administration. She's the current governor of Puerto Rico. Um, we see a lot of those, those same policies being enacted where the local government just is inefficient to not only distribute uh, disaster relief, but also prevent people that call Puerto Rico home mm-hmm. from actually maintaining their property and having to relocate maybe to a less developed part of the island or having to leave the country or having to leave the island entirely. Yeah, well, I think they're, uh, it's a, it sounds like a land grab and they're, it, there's, they're 100%, especially along ref- the coast. Yeah, the cloaking under reform. Well, we really want to make sure that this mm-hmm. person owns the property and it's right. not, at least it isn't just uh, claiming she owns something that she doesn't mm-hmm. own. Anytime I see a provision that regards real estate and Donald Trump in the same sentence, I already know where his mind's going. Yeah, he's going to grab it. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Now, the other, the first one that you mentioned, uh, minimum wage, this is, this mm-hmm. is really bizarre. Yeah. They put a provision I mean, yeah. to say you can't pay. Wait, you can't pay? Mm-hmm. In other words, if what if I want to pay? Right. I prohibited from paying $15 an hour? Got to ignore it. Ignore the $15 an hour wage on federally funded projects. So in your mind, what do you think they're up to there? I think I think historically we've seen the conservative agenda in the United States really push to keep minimum wage as low as possible. And the reality is we should be making more than fifty dollars, uh, fifteen dollars an hour. You keep people broke. How are they going to make ends meet to do things like protest, to get politically active, to let their voices be heard and speak truth to power if they're so stuck holding multiple jobs, just trying to keep their heads above water? You keep people broke. You're keeping them occupied and they can't pay attention adequately to the real things that can affect them on a macro level because they're so stuck in the micro um, the micro things that really may take up their day to day, which is putting food on the table, keeping the lights on. Well, if you keep wages below $15 an hour and yet you've uh, set aside billions of dollars to uh, reconstruct the island, that mm-hmm. means uh, you're... Uh, guaranteeing more money for the people who own the companies exactly. as opposed to the people who work for it. That's how my cynical mind breaks it down. Mm-hmm. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I think I think you're onto something there. I think you're absolutely right. I mean, you keep money out of the, the pockets of working class people and you put it in the pockets of people that really don't need the extra assistance. Mm-hmm. It's essentially corporate welfare. Uh, and so what is there resistance to these provisions or does uh, Trump have unilateral authority to insist on them? Mm, that's a great question. Um, I, ha- I might have to get back on the specifics to, on that to you. Um, it's my understanding that Congress approves that and the Trump administration, specifically HUD, 
has to distribute and oversee that money. Mm-hmm. All right. Do you have any uh, websites or any information people want to get more uh, information about? Oh, absolutely. Uh, Power from Puerto Rico is a great website. They actually have a breakdown of all the presidential candidates' Puerto Rico policy. Um, Latino Rebels is great. Is a great site. Uh, that's a Latinx uh, news outlet. Uh, I keep up with a lot of my news from there. You can also follow me on Twitter and Facebook at Paseo Podcast. P A S E O Podcast. I'm always sharing a number of different news outlets uh, that talk about Puerto Rico news. In fact, last week we found out that uh, there was a bunch of people in a municipality. There's 78, 78 municipalities in Puerto Rico. One of the municipalities, it's called Ponce, a number of people actually broke into a warehouse there and discovered that there was an entire warehouse, probably the size of the Sun-Times building here, that just had piles upon piles of Hurricane Maria relief aid that was never distributed by the local government. So it's a little bit of updating you on Puerto Rico news. It's a little bit of politics. It's a little bit of updating you on not only what's happening between the relationship between the United States and Puerto Rico, but specifically in these municipalities. The last website that I'll, su- that I'll suggest for people to go to, and this directly relates to Chicago's uh, work on bringing uh, relief after, well, I think we're close to 2,000 earthquakes at this point since mm. December 28th that have hit Puerto Rico. We have a local Chicago chapter of what's called the Puerto Rican Agenda. You can find out more about them at PuertoRicanChicago.org. Again, that's PuertoRicanChicago.org. You can volunteer. You can donate money. We've And the mission is to work directly with the local governments, not the, not the government of the entire island, but the local governments in each of those municipalities and working hand-in-hand with those community organi- organizations to provide relief directly to the places, neighborhoods, pueblos that need it the most. Mm-hmm. If you want to get involved, you can come to the Puerto Rican Agenda meeting. It just so happens this timed out really well. It's this Saturday at Roberto Clemente High School starting at 8.45 a.m. Roberto Clemente High School is located at the intersection right on the corner of Western and Division Street. Just come on in. Everybody's welcome to the Puerto Rican Agenda meeting. I think we're going to have a special guest there, too. I think Miguel de Valle is going to, going to come by. Um, so come by, figure out how you can get involved directly after. There's a fundraiser where we'll have a Boricua Film Festival. So we're going to have Puerto Rican films played. We'll have musical acts. We're going to have vendors, artists, where all the proceeds are going to go to earthquake relief efforts. And then final thing, this Sunday, February 2nd, at the Wild Hair in Lincoln Park for the Super Bowl and to raise money for earthquake relief efforts. Uh, 100% of the proceeds go to earthquake relief efforts. It's going to be stand-up comedy, live performances, and just a big party with people that really care about Puerto Rico here in the diaspora. Awesome. And I was just going to ask, your uh, podcast now, it comes out weekly? It comes out weekly, yeah. We're going to drop an episode tonight. We actually had, uh, last week, we had the VP of Policy at the Erickson Institute to talk about early childhood education. She's also also the co-chair of the Puerto Rican Agenda. Her name's Cristina Pasiones Zayas. Awesome individual. That was last week, so definitely you can listen to that right now. And then later tonight, I'm dropping another episode with a the creator of her own brand. It's called La Maestra, or Shop La Maestra. Her name's Sabrina Alicea. Not only is she an entrepreneur, she is a Boricua with an Ivy League degree, graduated from Harvard University. She's a CPS teacher. She teaches 7th grade, and she's a member of CTU Local 1. 
Well, as you can hear, our friend Josh was a hustler, so uh, you, you, you're doing your thing here, buddy. So for anybody who uh, wants to listen to the podcast, just tell them, you know, wh- what website to go to. I mean, you can get it yeah. on Apple, Google Play, and all that, right? Yeah, wherever you stream your podcast, the Baseo podcast is there. Hell but yeah. you can find everything at baseomedia.org. But yeah, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, I, um, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, all that good stuff, it's there. All right, very good. Appreciate it very much, Joshua. Uh, Lisa Simon on deck with her mystery guests. We'll take a break and bring her on right after this. Hey, everybody. What you're about to hear are the piano stylings of Jeff Manuel. Man, listen to Jeff go. Jeff Manuel has been playing piano around Chicago for years. He's played for conventions, for celebrities, played in basement bars with blues bands. He's played at prestigious social clubs, fine restaurants, and in the intimacy of private homes. Book Jeff Manuel at jeffemanuelpianist.com. Don't worry, I'll spell his name at the end of this commercial. You know what Chicago Magazine said? They said that Jeff Manuel is, quote, as comfortable with Chopin as he is with Cole Porter. He's excellent, and his performance is joyous. He offers an elegant stream of compositions and interpretations that entertains the mind but won't hurt the ears. To hear more of Jeff Manuel's work and to book Jeff for your next event, go to jeffmanuelpianist.com. I'm going to spell it out for you, people. J-E-F-F. M as in Mary, A, N as in Nancy, U-E-L-P-I-A-N-I-S-T dot com. Take it away, Jeff Manuel. It's time to end the practice of legislators serving as paid lobbyists. In fact, it's time to end the for-profit influence peddling among all elected officials at every level of government in Illinois. Most states have a revolving door provision for legislators, and it's time for Illinois to join them. Elected officials shouldn't be allowed to retire and immediately start lobbying their former colleagues. It's wrong, and it's got to stop. There are many more ethics reforms that must be addressed this spring, and I expect the legislature's bipartisan ethics commission to issue its report in the next eight weeks. Restoring the public's trust is of paramount importance. Let's not let the well-connected and the well-protected work the system while the interests of ordinary citizens are forgotten. Been here. All right, that's enough, J.B. Pritzker. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Lisa Solomon in the studio, Tree for Hour. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Cannabis Hour. <laughs> cannabis, Ben, get it straight. And uh, before we get into this, we were thinking of a, uh, an idea, a title for the segment, and I think I got it. Uh, let me... Pull it up here. Hold on. And no, it doesn't involve the word reefer or dope or pot or anything like that. We are calling it. Wait, hold on. Where's it at? Hold on. I have it here. Hold on. Just hang tight with me here. Okay. Oh, boy. We got a lot of people waiting. So anyone who thinks they sent in a good idea, send it again. It's time for your recreational cannabis crash course. Mm, all right. Let, let, let's wait and see what else comes in. All right. Well, we'll wait and see. Crash course. All right. All right. So that didn't work. No. All right. All right. Lisa Solomon, uh, give us, before we introduce our mystery guest, uh, give us some updates that uh, you want to share with folks. All right. Well, as one might expect, there are just 
a ton of cannabis events coming up. So let me run through a couple so people can know where they can go and learn some things. The city of Chicago is actually hosting a Chicago Cannabis Resource Fair this Saturday. You can find that online. And next Wednesday, The Reader is hosting the launch of our Green Space Sessions, which is conversations on all things cannabis. The event is almost a capacity. It's almost sold out. So if any of you are interested, go to chicagoreader.com slash green. You'll have a link to the Eventbrite site, grab your ticket now. If you miss it, all of those speakers are going to be at NECAN, the big Illinois Cannabis Convention, in April. So you can also go and see them there. There is a price for that ticket, but it's going to be two full days of amazing speakers. There are a lot of other events coming up. Um, I've got a Facebook page, Lisa the Hemp Guru. I will post links to all these events. <laughs> you know, every name tied to cannabis and hemp is is taken. It's really hard to find something. So I will post information on all those events there. So our special guests are going to talk about cannabis as it relates to kids. So I'm going to talk to you for a couple minutes about talking to your kids about cannabis. There are a lot of people that I know that smoke pretty regularly, recreationally, medicinally, whatever it is, and they hide it from their kids. When you hide something from your kids, that sort of implies that there's something wrong with what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So not only is cannabis legal now in a lot of states, and I think we're moving closer and closer to federal legalization, but when you hide it and yet you drink in front of your kids, you're telling them that there's something wrong with cannabis. And I don't wanna take up too much time because we've got our special guests here today, but there are kids that are on cannabis for medical reasons. Kids that have not been able to find relief from symptoms or uh, you know, improvement from whatever disease they were dealing with, except with cannabis. Mm -hmm. So we need the kids to understand this is life-saving medication for some people. And you don't wanna demonize it. You can talk to them, hey, just like alcohol, you shouldn't have it till age 25. It interferes with the development of the frontal lobe. You know, I'm not saying encourage your kids to use it, but talk to them and help them respect it. All right, look, before we get to the mystery guest, let me just see, this is one of my favorite themes that you've uh, triggered here, all right? And uh, I love making fun. When, when I was teasing the Tribune, when uh, the, the reefer first became legal in the state of Illinois, and the headline was, what are you gonna tell your kids about pot? And I had to laugh, Lisa Salman, because there are so many complicated, inexplicable things in the world that a parent has to deal with with a kid. I don't even think reefer, cannabis, marijuana, whatever you want to call it, is in the top 50. You know what the problem with talking to kids? Why did you, if, if you smoke it, why did you look the other way while it was illegal for all those years? That's the inconsistency that parents cannot talk about to their kids. Like they pretend as though it's this horrible, illegal, evil thing, and yet they're doing it. So they know it's a freaking lie that our country's been telling us for all these years when it was illegal. That's the inconsistency. So you gotta tell your kid, yeah, you know, here's the reality, Lisa Solomon. Sometimes we look the other way. Sometimes we don't take strong stands, even though we there are injustices right in front of us. That's the difficult thing to talk about with your kids. Yes, it can also be a political conversation. You can tell your kids this was legal, you know, before it was Illegal. scheduled as a Schedule <laughs> One drug. You know, when the AMA was pleading with the government not to make it a Schedule One drug, saying we have no other medications to treat some of these ailments. If you look at old Merck manuals and other old medical journals, you see cannabis was legal. So it was legal. So you can talk to your kids about look at what happened. This was 
racially motivated and look at all the lives that have been lost because of this. Yeah. So you need to be an educated consumer and you need to advocate for what's right. All right, let's introduce our mystery guests. Okay. Your job is to introduce our okay. mystery guests. Go ahead. I have got two phenomenal people here, Maureen and Jim Surin. They have been working tirelessly as advocates for medical cannabis. I don't want to try to tell their story for them, but if you've heard of Ashley's Law, these are Ashley's parents. So I'm going to let them share their story now. All right, we'll start with, which one wants to start? Jim, Marine? Should I start with the truncated history yeah. of Ashley? Yes, talk about uh, what led to Ashley's Law. Go ahead. Yeah, I will start with the truncated uh, thing with Ashley's Law. Pretty much Ashley was diagnosed with ALL leukemia at the age of two back in 2008. So it was, you know, basically she was she had leukemia for five years. In 2009, she had a, a treatment of methyltroxate in her lower back. And that's a spinal injection done by, you know, everyone over there at the, at the hospital and everything. So one day, one afternoon in September of 2009, she had the methyltroxate and it traveled to the back of her brain. Uh, my wife was driving home with her one evening and all of a sudden she looked in the back seat and our daughter's face was blue. She was non-responsive, her eyes rolled up in the back of her head, and essentially she was just non-responsive. Fortunately, there was a fire station about a half mile away. EMTs got there quickly, stabilized her, they got her to a hospital, and they got everything hooked up and everything was fine there. But those seizures from that day, from September of 2009, uh, those seizures lasted eight years, one to three times a day, they were sometimes mal seizures. There were sometimes where she was not responsive. Sometimes she'd have, to have head drops, you know, her full body drops, everything. And we went up and down on meds for eight straight years. And there were horrible side effects from some of these meds. Uh, aggressiveness, uh, nausea, obesity, um, dizziness. Um, and in the process, mind you, this is between the ages of like three and five is when the brain develops really well. These brain, these, the, the damage to the brain and the thought process or motor skills, she could barely speak. She could barely walk. She was basically, you know, she was deficient in many categories. And that lasted, we brought her up and down on so many meds, went through two or three healthcare providers. It was just horrific. And then finally, Maureen and I said, enough is enough. Okay. Good, good job, Jim. <laughs> um, in 2017, I'll, I'll try and take off from where you yeah, left off. Uh, in 2017, she's you know approaching puberty, age 12, and the, and seizures can get uh, pretty difficult to manage in puberty. So Ashley was on three medicines, and one day my dear loving husband gave me a break and said, "I'm going to take Ashley out for the day," and she collapsed in a grocery store and hit the back of her head and had a concussion and we had to have brain surgery done on her. And we turned to each other in the hospital and said, we need to do something different. And by God, we did. Sorry, excuse me a minute. So we, we turned to each other and said, we need to give her a natural diet, a natural medicine. Let's go find that doctor, whoever it may be. And we were so lucky to find uh, Dr. Raiden in Lake Bluff and Dr. Bark in Evanston. And they started her on a low-carb diet at home. We didn't have to go into a hospital for days, weeks, months. 
and put her on a cannabis regime. And wouldn't you know it, the second we even started the low-carb diet, the seizures were diminishing. We gave her the cannabis, the seizures were really, I mean, even going away further. And we said, you know what, she still's having them at night. Mm -hmm. And the doctor said, she needs full plant. And I said, uh, in English? And she said, more THC. No clue. More, more. We're rookies at this. We're like yeah. the nerdiest of all so, of our brothers and sisters. We're the nerdiest uh, of this. We have no clue. Our brothers and sisters are much more proficient. She right, said, more, yeah. T- yeah. more THC. More THC and full plant. So yeah. we said, so what does that mean? She said, you can apply for your medical cannabis license for her, and you need two doctors for a minor. And we did that. It took a little bit over 100 days, and... I mean, so, our daughter's two years seizure-free now, and I, I'm living a dream with my daughter and my husband, and she's living, not surviving, on medicines. So uh, let me get this straight, make sure I understand everything correctly. Mm-hmm. The medication that she was taking to control uh, the side effects of the medication she was taking to control the illness was causing seizures. Do I have that correct? Or yes. It- well, she, w- she had... Uh, ALL leukemia, uh, mm-hmm. blood cancer. Yes. We beat that. But one of the medicines, as Jim mentioned, methotrexate, yes. she had a high dose of in September of 09, which was about nine months into the chemotherapy. Ever since September 09 till we started the medical cannabis, the seizures have been very difficult to manage. And as puberty came, they, they got worse. Mm-hmm. So we were adding one medicine, two medicines, three medicines. After the concussion, they were going to add a fourth. And we said, no way my sister so we you know opted to go a natural route and it paid and it took a little work when you when you uh how old how old was your daughter how old was ashley when you decided to go to the cannabis way how Uh, old was she 11 and a half 12 11 and a half yeah Uh, was there resistance where did people try to tell you no she's too young it's too young for medical cannabis yeah i mean it, it went it went through her head like you know she is young but look at all she's been through how much more can she take of all these pharmaceuticals in yeah. her little body that's growing, trying to grow? Well, no, I'm saying, we're, yeah. did the authorities, were like oh. people in charge, you know, the, oh, yes. the law? Um, our they, yeah. our neurologist wasn't on board with it. So we um, sadly had to kind of abandon that um, doctor and go with our hearts and said, we need a naturopath, a naturopath doctor, an integrated medicine doctor that mm-hmm. wants this for her. but. We'll say, hey, if it doesn't work, then maybe we need to combine things. So, but luckily, we were able to wean off of all three pharmaceuticals in three months. We we weaned off one med a month, with close watch with her doctor and the dispensary and a little chart that Maureen scribbled up in marker and ran with. <laughs> so when uh, you got your daughter the medical marijuana card, was there any resistance from the state uh, oh. because of her age? Um, no, the state really, no, because she had all these qualifiers of a concussion and cancer and, uh, ep, you know, epilepsy. Mm-hmm. So you want to talk about she, the school she, issue with her medicine. The school, okay, the school, yes, we were able to control it. And then our superintendent and our doctor of our district said, um, I'm really sorry, it's federally illegal. And I said, well, then what, what do I do? What are my daughter's rights here? And they said, you know, we, we get it. We, we want to help you out. So, you know, do what you need to do in your heart. And so we consulted an attorney and it, you know, it went our way. We were just lucky that, you know, her IEP, you know, says she needs, a, you know, an IEP in school and uh, she needs her medicine. 
and our fight was with the state, not really with the school, because the school was afraid to lose, you know, funding and have protection and give her something, you know, federally illegal. So we said, well, then let's, you know, do we have to move? What do yeah. we do? We didn't want to pack up and move. We love Illinois. Yeah. So we were lucky. Springfield started contacting us, and we, we moved into this whole law research. Well, did the school ever make an attempt to, to literally stop you from giving Ashley uh, the medical marijuana? No. They, they just said there was just a warning. Yeah. No, I think they realized that before we even went on the medical cannabis, we were giving her just CBD to see if she could go that route first, which mm -hmm. was legal, you know. So, but it... It didn't, I mean, not necessarily they had to give her anything in the school. We were giving her CBD before school, and it, it just, it, we saw the seizures going away, but they weren't going away at night. So, mm -hmm. but the school was on board from day one. They just wanted protection, and they didn't want to lose funding, and they didn't want to break a law. So we had, you know, a state law and a federal law, and a little girl with an IEP, you know, what gives, you know? Mm -hmm. So the fight was with the state. Yes, exactly. As a matter of fact, I was just going to say school district uh, was very cooperative with us. Uh, matter of fact, when we went to uh, the Dirksen Federal Court building, um, this was after Ashley was not allowed to be on school grounds because she had CBD slash THC going on. Uh, we went to, uh, you know, a federal court to try to settle everything. And going into that court meeting, believe it or not, everyone was on the same page. Um, it was Lisa Madigan's assistant was there. Darcy, uh, Darcy was there. Uh, Darcy Rhoda, their, their attorney, their attorney was there as well, representing the school district, and we're there too. All of us are laughing. We're all on the same page. We're all in agreement. It's helping Ashley. It's benefiting our daughter. But in the back of our minds, we're thinking, you know, if we're going to settle this as like kind of a contemporary restraining order, let her go back into school. That's a good starting point. But what about once that's gone, what happens when she goes to you know, high school? What happens when other kids who are suffering from childhood illness have so, that problem? So this is the part I want to make sure I understand. So they, they got a restraining order to prevent her from going into the school while she was taking the cannabis pills. Is that correct? Yeah, we got a TRO. So basically a temporary order to let her use the meds in school until... You know, we figured out some kind of law. I see. You got the a restraining order said, uh, that yeah. blocked the law that would prohibit yes. her from taking the... The judge said, your homework, you know, the, all the attorneys were there shrugging their shoulders. We need your help, judge. What do we do? Yeah. And you know what he said? He said, you go home and you make a law. And by God, they did. And and he's kept her case open now until, don't everyone laugh, for 2020 <laughs> to keep her safe. So wait but, a I mean, <laughs> So, uh, Dennis is really laughing. Uh, it's his favorite day of the year. Uh, uh, and uh, so let me make sure I understand this correctly, because, you know, I, I'd love to get into the details of bureaucracy. First of all, I'm having a hard time believing any of this because, yes, it's true. Uh, by federal law, the uh, cannabis is illegal. Here, I'm using your word, Lisa. Cannabis is illegal. All right. But in the state of Illinois, we have a law that um, says medical marijuana, back then, it's legal, le recreational is legal now, but back then it was medical. Yeah. So 
it's state law that governs our our public schools, not right. federal law. Right. So I'm like, what are you even bringing the feds in for? It? Right. What are you worried about the feds? If the feds have an issue, let the feds get involved. Why are you bringing the feds in? That's just my reaction. Yeah. You know, federal like, funding, all the schools, they get federal funding, so they're afraid of losing that. I hear you. So yeah. right over their shoulders. Oh yeah. So yeah. I'm saying, all right, yeah. fe- let's see the fe- <laughs> let's see the feds come in, take money from school district, whatever it is, X Y Z, because. This girl who has leukemia is taking right. med- medical marijuana. Do you follow what I'm I saying? I follow you. And our district has been amazing. Yes. Very, uh, very supportive. And okay. They have been awesome from day one. So what? Uh, so talk about the law, the law they got. They asked okay, us so we uh, went down to Springfield, and everyone knows you have to testify to, you know, um, different committees. And as the committee's passed it, it goes to the floor. So we actually went down there for two committee hearings and testified. And that was eye-opening because some people, you know, didn't believe in it. You know, what, have you tried every, every medicine out there? I said, yeah, you want to see all the side effects? I've printed them all out and I could wallpaper your gorgeous room here with all of them. That so, is so deep, man. They're I mean, so, they're so they're resistant to the notion of no. cannabis. Uh, even if you call it cannabis, you figure, ah, right. oh, call it cannabis. They can't be against cannabis. Yeah. I'm not gonna call a reefer like that guy Ben. Yeah. Uh, because even then, they still have this bias, this mindset. Right. Just give the kids some kind of pharmaceuticals. Well, they don't realize that cannabis was pharmaceuticals. They don't know that. That part of history has been buried. That's why I keep telling people, watch that movie from 1999, Grass, narrated by Woody Harrelson. It goes through the whole history, and you will be shocked. Yep, that movie, and I haven't seen that one. I'd like to see that one. We the People, People. we sat on a panel with Ricky Lake and her uh, co-director, Abby Epstein. uh, Abby Epstein. That was cool. That movie is powerful, and it, it shows people who, you know, tried something else because everything else didn't work and i mean there is no perfect medicine out there the world's not perfect but this is the damn was, closest is there thing a, i found uh, to a, it. a hero okay we already heard about the state reps with these antediluvian oh, yeah. attitudes just to feed them pills was there uh, anyone who really stepped up yes. that you'd like to give a shout out to christina castro took our law you know from beginning to end and bob morgan uh lou lang our attorney, Steve Glink, I mean, we'd be lost without our doctors. Dr. Tony Bark, God bless her. She's very busy now. Dr. Donald Dr. Radin. Dr. Donald Radin. And, you know, we just... And it passed both houses? Our, it passed both houses. And what does the law specifically do? It allows medical cannabis in school for a child. Uh, if they need a middle-of-the-day dose or an emergency dose, the nurse or a school administration person can give it to them if they need it, and they're protected by the law. Now, Illinois law is written as a must-allow-in-school law. I think a lot of people aren't clear on that. California has a law similar, a school law. It is you can opt out. A school or a district can opt out. So what's the point? What the no, hell is the point of so that? So that's a weak right. law. So that is. Man, come on, California. Our, yeah, our Step law rocks. Our, I mean, districts cannot, <laughs> Step I repeat, out. cannot opt out. Yeah. And I've heard people having difficulties, so I don't know what there is to understand here, but it, you can't opt out. I don't know why it's, a district would want to opt out anyway. It's Probably education. the nurses. The so nurses are afraid of their uh, licenses being pulled or, you know, I, They're concerned I about repercussions from a higher 
level, maybe a federal level, they're they're still freaking out about it, even though it's a state so, law. Yeah. I know we need we do need the federal law to go away. We need that to go away for research. My daughter wants to go back to Disney. Hello, Disney. We want to come back. We're Make-A-Wish alums. We can't come back. That's a shame. Wait. <laughs> they won't allow on. her medicine on the property. No medical cannabis. Yeah, if anyone has any connections to Disney that can no, advocate for this family. Hold it. Right. Hold it. Let's just pause for a moment. And Florida's a medical you, state. You're telling me that Dis, when you say Disney, what's it called down in Florida, D? Disney, Disney World? World. No, but there's one in Disneyland. There's one in California. Right. So you're telling me Disney World, you, Recently. You, they will not let you in? How yeah. do they even know? I mean, how do they know? They're if, honest people. I'm sure people go in and hide it. Do they ask you at the gate? I mean, how would they know? There was a grandma arrested for it recently, last year, I thought I saw on the news. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, why do I I have to feel like like I'm on house arrest? I went on a medicine in a state program and I feel like I'm I'm on house arrest. I can't go to a government building. I can't go travel. I can't. Yeah, I, I shouldn't be, I shouldn't have I can'ts. Why, why do people have opioids? Why don't they have I can'ts? You, you know what, I'm just gonna say this right now. The, the, I started to talk about the utter hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. I don't know, you guys are young, you never saw Dumbo. In the movie Dumbo, which is a Walt Disney movie, Dumbo gets high, okay? And whoever made Dumbo was, was freaking high. high when they did it. Wizard of Oz. Wizard, I mean, but well, Wizard of Oz wasn't Wizard a Disney Oz. movie. Right. But those animators for Disney back in the 30s, they were tripping, okay? I don't even know if it was just marijuana. Man, I thought H.R. and Puffin stuff in the Sid Marty Crop shows were crazy. Yes. You know? So, I mean, there's wow. just all, uh, and Fantasia, I don't know if you yeah. ever saw Fantasia. I mean, these are like trippy cartoons. There was some serious drug use going on, in my humble opinion, in the back lot there. Oh. And now they like buy into this mentality, Maureen. You understand yeah, what I'm saying? I, yeah, I do. I mean, we're, I don't know where we go from here. We want we want things to change, but I know you know they didn't get this way overnight. And we can't change them overnight, but we sure want to you know keep keep advocating. I mean, I'm right now I'm on a committee in Michigan to help them. They would like to mirror our law. They have a. They have Wait, a mother in Michigan who has to park a thousand feet from her school and go in and give her child his med and go back to her car. I mean, are we on Mars? Where, I mean, is, this, is this the United States or is this? Right. And you're trying, you're then <laughs> telling the kids that yeah. there's something wrong with this, this life-saving right. medication. Right. You're trying to make the kids feel bad. So right. we need to think about our next generation, empower them. Yes. And adults need to learn. People need to educate themselves. Right. I do believe the whole world's craving education from my next door neighbor who's a senior to Ashley's teacher to the nurses to to you know us everybody did you want to say something Jim I was just gonna say it's one of those things where you know it's it's 2020 what Ashley wears at school is non-obstructive it's basically a it looks like a band-aid on her foot and there's a sock and a shoe over it we administer a lotion on her wrist as such and then at night, there's a little, we give her like a little dove a piece of chocolate, dark chocolate. RSO. Like with RSO, yeah, with like a little, like a little push, a little tincture with a little bit more THC to let her rest better at night to prevent any seizures or any kind of abnormal activity. So completely unobstructive to not just other fellow students. It's not like in this day and age, it's like somebody rolling up a joint in a classroom or doing a six foot graphic in a classroom. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's not obstructive. <laughs> it's not going to hurt the and, students, no, the teachers, the administrators, the nurses, anybody. Yeah. And people have said she's a different child. She can walk and talk 
and think better and process better. Mm -hmm. I went around the table last week at her IEP and everybody had productive, progressive things to say about her. She just keeps getting better and better at things. She's just started zipping up her coat by herself. I mean. How old is she now? She's 13 and a half. 13 and a half. Can I say something about the method of administration? When Mm -hmm. they were talking about something on her foot with a Band-Aid on it, rubbing cream on her wrist, cannabis can be mixed with certain oils or lotions and rubbed on places that are very venous. So the inside of your wrist where you have a lot of veins and there's an area on the top of your foot where you have a lot of veins and so it's absorbed into the bloodstream. So it's nothing oral, no one's seen her taking drugs as someone might wanna call it. Thank you, Lisa. (laughs) You know, it's simply a, a lotion and at night when you talk about the tincture, that's in a little dropper bottle and they just put a few drops right. on, on the chocolate. And there's been no repercussions that we've had with either the school or uh, the state or anything. I mean, it's it's just been like living a dream. And just to get her off of three neuromeds at her age, I mean, that that's a gift. And this plant is saving people's lives. And the thing that's really frustrating, Ben, is, is that imagine if you're a parent or a single parent or parents far away from school, what if there's a medical emergency and for some reason in another state or somewhere where it's not being, you know, there's a law in place, what happens if that kid has some kind of a life-threatening situation mm-hmm. and it depends on the medical cannabis to be administered there on the spot? What kind of conscience is gonna be in the back of their minds when something like that happens? No, listen guys, we wow. started off the show wow. on my pet peeve of what to tell your kid about uh, legalized cannabis. And this is, I remember I said it's not even the top 20 of issues that are tough to, it's not top 50, it's not top 100. This, the freaking federal government telling the state of Illinois what to do its business, and I just wanna point this out, I can go political, I know you guys don't wanna go political, but supposedly the Republican Party believes in state rights. So it's really curious, they pick and choose the state rights they wanna follow and obey. And and the state of Illinois has decided in its infinite wisdom to pass a law that allows kids to take this medical cannabis so they could uh, deal with the side effects of these drugs that they're taking to fight the cancer, and they say, no, you can't do that. That's not only a violation of state rights, it's freaking cruel, in my it's humble a violation opinion. of human rights. Right. Yes. And uh, so, all right, this, 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 see what I'm saying? Lisa, this is, how, explain that to a kid. Explain that to a kid, how a law in Illinois that's designed to uh, provide relief for a 13-year-old uh, is somehow or other a threat, such a great threat that the kid can't go to Disney <laughs> Right. I mean, and, and this is so why it's bizarre, important to talk man. to your kids because you've got Ashley whose life has been basically saved by medical right. cannabis. So if you have parents of her classmates telling people, I can't believe Illinois legalized it. This is horrible. It's awful. This drug does bad things to you. Well, then they're put in the position of, do I listen to my parents and you know look at my classmate as a drug user or do I understand this is her medicine? She is not abusing drugs yeah and that's why this is an important conversation and why we need federal legalization i can't say that enough to have more research done research exists other places this film weed the people she referred to i've mentioned that before and the lead expert in there who's dosing these pediatric cancer patients in the movie had uh, data from I think thousands of patients and UCLA Med Center actually brought in an IRB, an independent review board last summer to start going over her data. Mm-hmm. So there is more and more being done here, 
but it's these anecdotal type of reports. But the evidence, the anecdotal evidence is just incredible. Now, are there restrictions on her ability to get an airplane and fly from one state to the other? Yeah, you're not supposed to cross, you know, state lines. So, I mean, why, why am I on house arrest? That's what I want to ask the federal government. Why am I in house arrest or the state? I mean, for this program, we should not be limited to stay in our confines of our own state because of a medicine. If they want to obey the law, they cannot travel. And there are a lot of families, a lot of individuals, adults and children in this position. And it's absurd to me. But then yet they have the program set up so there's reciprocation in states. So wait a minute, why is there a reciprocation in the program, but then you can't cross the state Wait, time out. Line. The state of Illinois law has reciprocation. Is that what you're um, saying? Some states have reciprocity. No. Very few do. They are allowed to, meaning if you're an Illinois cardholder, you can go to a different state and use it. But I've asked a few and they'll say, well, technically we can, but it's not really set up. But still, you need it on the airplane. They can't yeah. fly across yeah. the country so without yeah, the medicine. You'd fly without it as a risk to your, your health and then say, oh, I hope I can get it in this reciprocated state. Maybe, and you don't know not. that you can get the same and, medicine right. in that other state. Exactly. Uh, and, there, and are there other states that you, you cited uh, Michigan, are there other states where this is a, uh, has been an issue? Right now it's been, as you can think of, where parents are fighting with state officials or school officials uh, yeah. to allow their children to get... Uh, Michigan, there, I mean, there's a mom there I, I'm a friend with, and she, we're working on with her, we're working on a law with her, mm -hmm. with her and her legislators, and they want to mirror our law. Our law is strong. Mm -hmm. It is a must allow, whereas other states are opt out. What's the it's point of, in making a Come law? On, California, it's <laughs> pathetic. Uh, and it's like, and then here's the the weird thing about a marine, uh, California. Uh, I mean, they're, they they're basking in uh, recreational marijuana. Right. It's so weird that they would have this opt-out measure. For like, you go to California, they're very proud about you know how free and easy they are with their uh, uh, reefer. But the schools have opt-outs. Like it's so bizarre. It's right. so twisted and weird. The, the how some people are clinging to these old myths about marijuana, the evil drug, marijuana. It uh, is. Even when it uh, any before I let you go, any uh, if people want to get involved, they want to get more information. Any websites you want to give out? Any information like that? Well, you can just read off. You can actually read off of your card if you want, Mo. About oh, Ashley's up, but um, here we go. As a matter of fact, uh, that's one of them there. Um, if you can learn more about Ashley's Law, you can just go to on Google. You can just uh, Google Ashley's Law Illinois to learn more about it there. Uh, I am on Periscope, which is a live streaming app where I touch upon, you know, the story of Ashley when she was from giving having leukemia through uh, her going into remission, the seizures, um, the times. I mean, I was on live when she would, ha I was on Periscope, a live streaming app, where she would have a seizure during my show. Mm. And I would hear her yelling, come up here, she's seizing again. I'd have to kill my live stream and go upstairs and help her. Um, but those days, thank goodness, are over. And instead of you know, feeling bad and negative about it. Now we're very positive. We're looking forward to it. Now we share our success stories on Periscope. And I'm also on Twitter, too, at JS Scope. It's, S, it's JS, like Jim Surin, then Scope, S-O-C-O-P-E. Um, I can spell. And I'm Maureen Surin at gmail.com. If anybody feels like they want to email me or ask me any questions, I'm open to it. And I'm still advocating 
24 hours a day and hopefully working on some camp laws this year because I want kids to be safe in their camps. What do you mean? Aren't they summer camp? Aren't summer camps aren't uh, covered by the the. No. <laughs> No. no. Apparently, the I'm parents sorry, have the parents or the caregivers have to be on the no. premises to administer those. Yeah. Oh, because yeah. it's just schools, not camps. Well, yeah. summer, summer camps, camps, right? You know, school like districts. They'll, let, or park they'll districts. do epipens. Yeah. They'll do you know um, inhalers, but there's no law for cannabis, so we need that too. Wow, man, that's my next step. And I've got work in progress. I've yeah. got uh, Bob Morgan's helping me with that, and Jason Berkman. I, I've already got people helping me, so we're we're. We're on the right track. Well, it should be legal at the federal level, obviously. Amen. Uh, yes. No, it's ridiculous. Talk to your children about that. Do you got an update or something? Uh, well, uh, me and the uh, live stream chat room, we've been going back and forth here, and I think we got a good title for this oh, for okay. this segment, all right? Okay. I think you guys are going to like this. It's a all simple right. one. Shout out to Pat Rod, all oh, right? Pat Rod. Pat Rod, the man who, by the way, got his very own Ben Jarofsky Show t-shirt made. Yeah, Pat logo, Rod is yeah. awesome. Yeah, like It's Pat that Rod. logo right there. This is a shirt. All right, here we go. Simple one. Cannabis conversations. Wow. Nice. Yeah. I like that. She likes it. I approve. That is great. <laughs> nice. <laughs> By the way, Jim, I'm going to tell you, you got some serious radio pipes. Oh, my God. People on the live stream <laughs> are saying that, too. God damn. I mean, he's like, ugh, man. College radio. You watch out, Ben. <laughs> God damn. WCRX at Columbia College in 1985 to 88. Did you play it, music? Uh, yeah. Chicago house music. Ah. And can, can you say, uh, and now, your uh, weather and traffic. And now, your weather and traffic on the 8s. Oh, Here's Ben. He's good. He's good. He, he had a weather class with skilling, too. He yeah. had him as a teacher. Tom Skilling was a meteorology class, a teacher over at Columbia College back in the 80s. I, 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 I tell you, gosh, Sharon, we got an Alberta Clipper coming down here. That's correct. We got our skilling. I had a hard time with on the 8s. Remember the old place, Steve, when I used to have that job? Oh, yeah. They fired me, but I was like, what? wait, now, what does on the 8s mean again? Because I... Yeah. Have my issues. You anyway, twenty three minutes. You give me, give me the world. Yes. I still go back to my first job ever was at a uh, golf course in Glenview, uh, the Glenview Park District Golf Course, and it was nicknamed the Weed. And I think God was giving me some foreshadowing then, and I didn't catch it, but I get it the now. Weed. <laughs> it, it really was called the Weed. W E. It was a big weed. It was a big field ah, before they turned it into a golf course. So uh, she's <laughs> the pride and joy of Glenbrook South. Okay, a proud graduate. No, oh, Regina. You're a Regina, Regina. kid. <laughs> Oh, my God, Regina. I've, I knew the Regina girls back in the day. All right, enough talk about the Regina girls. Uh, I want to thank you very much, Jim and Maureen, for coming on. Yeah, and probably awesome. bring you back. Thank you. Yeah, you cool guys really killed thank it. You. We'll thank bring you, you back because this is something, well, I mean, I just want federal. I want uh, reefer legal federal on the federal level. I think it's insane because it, all these contradictions uh, occur. And people, the bureaucrats, just want to follow the rules. They don't want to get in trouble. You know, they're worried about their license. Like, everything you pointed out. Uh, and then <laughs> Disney. That's so wild. That's crazy. You, you know, crazy Disney. We should just at amusement parks, you know. Just yeah, to keep well, anyone whatever. has ideas, let me know. Uh, yeah, so uh, keep up the fight. And uh, Lisa Solomon, we'll see you back in a couple weeks here with another update. Uh, we're going to have some more guests uh, on the issue of cannabis. I also want to thank uh, Joshua Smizer de Leon. And Miles Conflassen was in the studio earlier today from In These Times. And of course, the man, the myth, the legend. This show would not be possible without him. And as Jim and Maureen can tell you, back home in Alton, they call him White Lightning. Yes, Dr. Doobie, give yourself a raise, take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. <laughs> 
Hey, and remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows and Benny J bonus interviews at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. Downloaders, we live stream this show. It's true. Tuesdays through Fridays, 1 until 3 p.m. Central Time at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites. Oh, and the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel. Go check it out sometime. Join the live stream chat if you dare. That's actually a lot of fun. Go check it out. We'll see you tomorrow. Big problems become big problems when you let small problems sit.